right. Well, good morning. My name is Caleb. Uh, as David mentioned earlier, I help serve on the leadership team, mainly in the role of students. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you could turn or tap your way to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Psalms is right there in the middle of the Bible, and you're looking for the big number 103. If you do not have your Bible this morning, don't panic. We'll have the words up on the screen, and uh, we're going to be covering a lot of ground in the Bible this morning, actually, so I'd encourage you to follow along with the words on the screen anyway. Um, But this morning, we will start in Psalm 103. Uh, Every Christmas Eve, my family had a tradition growing up in which we would watch White Christmas. Now, why White Christmas, right? A lot of people might have other movies that they watch, but ours was White Christmas. And uh, my mom watched it every Christmas Eve growing up. My grandpa loved that movie, loved it so much. And um, there's a lot of singing and dancing in that movie. It's really not my cup of tea, Um, so it wasn't always my favorite Christmas Eve tradition, at times, but uh, I could get on board with Bing Crosby singing. So I got to hear a lot of Bing Crosby songs uh, through the years, uh, the same ones every Christmas Eve. And I think that's what my grandpa liked most, and the idea of having a white Christmas. Uh, but he loved Bing Crosby songs, and there's one Bing Crosby song that sticks out to me, and it came to mind as I, as I was thinking through this text, and it's called Count Your Blessings. Yeah, I just forgot the song. When I'm worried and can't fall asleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep. That's, that's the line. There you go. And I fall asleep counting my blessings. And I think that's, I mean, that's a pretty good thing to do, right? What Bing Crosby's saying. He's saying reflect on your blessings, kind of help, help you be grateful and have gratitude. And, and you'll calm down and you'll, you'll fall asleep. However, I do think Bing is missing something pretty key. Uh, and that is not just the gifts that we have, but the giver behind those gifts. For example, I, uh, we had this family that was giving, uh, giving us Christmas presents leading up to Christmas uh, on our doorstep, knocking and then running away. They did this like 12 days of Christmas thing. And it was really nice of them, very nice gesture, but it was all anonymous until the very end. So you'd, you'd look at it and you pick it up, oh, muffin mix, cool, like that's really nice. Don't know where it's from, but you know, it's, it's really nice of them. Now, you contrast how I felt picking those gifts up versus how I felt unwrapping this awesome watch that I got from my wife. Because, yes, I like this watch a lot, but I love my wife. The giver behind the gifts makes those gifts that much more meaningful. And in our case with God, what we'll see this morning really is that he is the ultimate giver. And he is the one that does make those gifts way more meaningful, but he also is the gift himself. He is uh, awesome, and there's so much to be thankful for what, who he is and what he's done. So let's look at Psalm 103 together in verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Psalms are God's people's book of worship uh, in ancient Israel. And this one is specifically a thanksgiving psalm, a thanksgiving hymn, a song, which starts in and then moves out into the community, and then finally the whole universe 
declaring it to praise God. And we see in this psalm that God is worthy of all our worship and praise out of gratitude for what he's done. But we're also really going to see that the goal of this passage is to actually move us to that worship and praise and thankfulness or to bring it home. Uh, Worship God with thankfulness, remembering all that he has done for you, yourself. Each one of us has, has to come to grips with that as we read this psalm. And this psalm starts right out with the individual here in verses 1 through 2. And we see our first point this morning, which is praise God with your whole self. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Soul, all oneself. The psalmist is actually modeling here a dialogue with oneself. He's encouraging himself and God by talking to himself about how he's to praise God. There's one uh, old British pastor in the 20th century who, in one of his books, has a really good line. He says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Talking to yourself specifically about who God is, what God says about himself here in his word, and reminding ourselves of who God, who, what he's done for us, all the awesome things that he has done. We actually see another example, I think, of this dialogue in Psalm 42, verse 11, when it says, uh, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He realizes, this psalmist here realizes, I'm struggling, I'm kind of weighed down, but why? And he's talking to himself. And then he's talking God's words back to him, specifically here. So, there's a dialogue that's happening here. And let's, let's take a closer look at it here. In verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless. What does it mean to bless the Lord? Well, other translations just translate it simply, praise God. But there is something to this word bless here. What does it mean to bless the Lord? The idea is that it is praise that is out loud, that is worshipful. Verbal, out loud, words of praise. How awesome God is. There's an adoration here that is very present. And there's an emphasis because it, does it say it one time? No, it says it multiple times. You see it three times right here. Blessing God. And who are we blessing specifically? We're blessing God, but yes, it says bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Now, one's reputation and what he's known for. This is what name carries with it. So if I'm to say to you when you talk about a person's name... I'm to say to you, Mark Zuckerberg, some things are going to automatically pop in your head. Maybe some of them are like, ugh, that guy. Or maybe it's more, oh, that's a really rich dude. Or maybe it's just Facebook. Or what, whatever it is. Something's popping in your head. He's known for something, obviously. And there's things that come to mind. There's that reputation that he has. A name carries with it that reputation. And here, what is God's reputation? What, it, what is he known for? And all the awesome things that we see in Scripture are, are present there. We also see that God's name is holy. We just sang about it. There is no one like him. God is uncommon and set apart and high above all of us. And how are we to worship him? With our whole self. Oh, my soul. All of who you are as a person gets to do this. It brings to mind when Jesus is uh, interpreting the law and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. A soul is all of who you are as a person your heart, your total emotional response, and then your strength, the actions that follow up 
that emotional response of who God is and what he's done. All of your actions are powered by this. And why is the psalmist making such a big deal about blessing God? Why is he making such a big deal about praising God and worshiping God? And here we get to the end of verse 2, and this is very important. It says, And forget not all his benefits. Forget not the benefits of the Lord. And we see the answer. The positive flip of this is actually going to be our second point this morning, and as if you're taking notes. And the positive flip of this is always remember what God has done for you. Always remember what God has done for you. In Deuteronomy and many other parts of the Old Testament, we see God commanding his people to not forget everything that he has done for them, all the awesome things that he's done for them, but also not to forget who he is and his character. And we actually, I want to take a step back into the Old Testament history and look at a negative example of someone who does this, who does forget God. And this was a king in Israel. His name was Hezekiah, king of God's people. And Hezekiah was actually a pretty good king. He did a lot of, did a lot of um, good things in, in, the, in the nation of Israel. And, but he actually messed up there at the end of his life in a big way. Now, he was actually very sick, and he prayed to God, and God healed him, but then something happened after that. So in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 24, it says, In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And he prayed to the Lord, and he answered him, God answered him, and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him. So there's benefits that had been given to Hezekiah here, yet he did not remember. And why did he not remember? For his heart was proud. He forgot who God was. He forgot who, what God had done for him because he was full of himself. He was full of pride. Don't get so caught up in yourself that you forget who God is and what he's done for you. Yet how often do we do that? And I'm speaking right here. This is so true of me. I need this passage. I need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done. We all need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done in 2020. Every single one of us. And every single year, not just 2020. We can't forget God's benefits. What are these benefits? This is, where, this, is, this is good stuff right here. We're going to separate these benefits into four different actions that we see that God has done for his people. And that we are to remember. And in verse 3, we see the first benefit kind of together, kind of goes together. It says, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. So they kind of go together, and you might be like, how do those two go together? And I'll get to that in a second. But first of all, I want us to look. It says all. It doesn't say some. doesn't say a few. It says all. All your sins, every one, all of them, the whole, all covered, all forgiven, all healed, all those diseases. So how does sin... And disease go together. Some of you guys are probably like, I'm pretty healthy, Caleb. I don't really need to be healed of any diseases. But what is sin at its core? It is a disease that permeates us. It's a disease that is just rotting inside of us. That we need healing from. And we see an example here of Jesus all throughout the Gospels. Not just here, but all throughout the Gospels. Healing and forgiving sins. He is that perfect doctor. In Mark 2, there's the story of a paralytic, someone who couldn't walk, who comes to Jesus, and he needs to be healed. Jesus sees their faith. But the first thing he says isn't, you're healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. 
religious leaders didn't like that. Later on in the passage, he says, well, to show that your sins are forgiven, rise up and walk. And he heals them. So Jesus is that perfect doctor who not only heals us spiritually, but also forgives us. Luke 7, 47 talks about a woman who is not a very good person. People, we, we would look at her and be like, oh, I, I don't, might steer clear of that person. But Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we're right there too. I know I am. Many, many, many sins. We need that big forgiveness. We need that big love. But there is no forgiveness too big for Jesus to give. No forgiveness too big for our God to give. All of our iniquity, all of our disease healed and forgiven. And we also see God working for us, redeeming us from the pit in verse 4. It says, who redeems your life from the pit. The pit carries with it this idea of death and prison. Someone, a prisoner would be in a pit, or someone who died would be buried and put in the, in, the, in the grave. Yet God redeems us. He delivers us. He rescues us. So we, we, are, we are to remember God's rescue and redemption, delivering us from the grave. So there's, there's a couple really awesome pictures of this in the Psalms. Psalms 56, verse 13 says, For you have delivered my soul from death, from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So we have darkness, death, to life. In Psalm 16, 11, it says, You make, make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. There is, there is sadness to joy, this picture. And how is this all made possible? This is all made possible through Jesus and what he's done for us. Jesus did what none of us could do, dying on the cross for our sins, Perfect man, fully man, fully God, dying on the cross for our sins, and then rising from the dead three days later. The gospel. This is the gospel right here, redeeming us from the grave. And all of this is a free gift. And friend, if you're in here today and you have not accepted this free gift, there's no better day today than to do it. Redeeming us from the grave. This, this, is, this is a free gift that we have. And if, we have, if you have accepted this free gift, then it brings with it the privilege of this love and mercy that God shows us in verse 4. It says, Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. We are to remember how God surrounds us with love and mercy. This love is steadfast. It's not just a love. It's not just kind of a weak, failing, like flailing love that works with the wind. This is a steadfast, loyal, faithful love. And God surrounds us with it. This crowning has the idea of honoring, but it also has the idea of surrounding and covering. There's actually a verse in Psalm 5 that says, you surround them with your shield of love, talking about God. Surround them with your shield of love. Now for us today, we hear shield, and it doesn't really resonate with us like it did with those who would have read this in ancient times. Right? Shields were the military weapon, defensive weapon that protected them from arrows and uh, spears and swords, that, that was a big deal in ancient times. The Romans, okay, I'm going to nerd out a little bit because I'm a history teacher, the Romans conquered the world, or the known world at that time, and they did it through their formation, one of the, one of the, they did it through a lot of things, but they did it also through the a formation that they would use, where they'd put all their shields together and they'd be completely covered and protected, and they'd look like a big turtle. They'd walk around and you couldn't get to them with arrows and stuff, then they'd get to the enemy and then they would, they would fight. Now, 
I realize that's very nerdy because I'm a history teacher and whatnot. So I was trying to think of other things that we see shields of in our culture today. And I was like, Captain America, like the most iconic superhero, has a shield. That's all. That's, that's his thing. It's a shield. And this just isn't any old shield. So I'm going to go from one side of nerddom to another side of nerddom. But this shield is made of vibranium, and it is impenetrable. You can't get through it. And when we think of God as our shield, this is like a covering of vibranium that just you cannot penetrate. The enemy cannot get to us. He cannot get through God's love. Even ourselves can't mess this up. This is how awesome this love, this shield of love is. Ephesians 6, when it says, take up the shield of faith, a lot of times some of us, I think, think, oh, I got to have a lot of faith and then I can have a shield. I can have God as a shield. No, God is the shield. And we cling to him. It's the object of our faith, not the amount of faith that matters. And we have that. We have that crowning, that surrounding of love in God. I think later on in this psalm, it is so, such a clear picture of God's love and mercy for us in verse 8. When it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, an immeasurable distance, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, another immeasurable distance, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. This is just such great truths for us to just live in today. It's been so encouraging for me as I've been meditating on this passage. One, another famous uh, pastor says that about this passage, our sins are so effectively removed that we will not ultimately suffer any loss or damage through having sinned. That detriment was laid on Christ and Christ alone. That's how this is made possible for what Jesus has done for us. And looking, when God looks at us now and sees Jesus, that is a beautiful thing for us to be thankful about and to remember constantly. And this takes us again to the privileges of this new life in Christ, this new life in Jesus. How now we, you can remember how God satisfies and renews you. And now we get to Psalm 103.5 and it says, Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God satisfies us. Another place in the Psalms, it says, Psalm 107.9, that for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. These physical desires that we have, shown as spiritual desires that we also have, and how God measures up, how he satisfies, he alone does. Later on, in Jesus, in John 4, tells the woman at the well that I have water, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is living water. This is water that satisfies. And this is the only thing that does. And this satisfaction with good brings with it renewal, rejuvenation. Renewed like the eagles. Okay. It's an interesting way to describe uh, renewal. Just using a big bird as a picture. But again, let's kind of think through what an eagle is. So uh, this month, my family actually got to go to Antelope Island. We had a good time. 
It was snowing really hard, so we couldn't see anything. So it might not have been as fun because of all the wildlife and stuff. But Dax, my one-year-old, was asleep in the back for most of the time anyways. So it, it, was, it was fun for my wife to just kind of, and I just have a peaceful drive around the island. Um, but we did see a few animals, and one of the animals we saw was an eagle. And we're driving, and my wife was the one that caught it. She's much more observant than me. And uh, she caught it, and she's like, look at that. And it was a big old eagle. Big old eagle sitting up on top of, uh, perched up on this little cliff area. And he's just looking out, just scanning everything. And like I said, it was a big bird. I think you see pictures of it, but then you see it like there, and you're like, man, that is a massive bird. Uh, so yeah, it's a cool bird, but, but what is this saying specifically? Well, Isaiah 40, 31, we also see this picture of an eagle. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. So this is talking about God's renewal. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the idea of endurance. This is the idea of uh, just being able to persevere through difficulty. You think about an eagle. It's got that huge wingspan, like six to eight feet, like longer than me, taller than me. And that thing can just soar effortlessly for miles and miles. And God is saying here, that we are to remember how he satisfies and renews us so that we can do this throughout our lives. We can run the race that he's calling us to run. We can have the energy and endurance and strength that only comes from him. So this morning, I hope we've been able to see that we are to constantly praise God with our whole self. But I also hope that we see this morning that we are to always remember his forgiveness and healing, his rescue and redemption, how he surrounds us with his love and mercy and how he satisfies us and renews us like no one else can. There's, uh, there's a kid's book called Don't Forget to Remember, a little kid's Christian book. And Dax likes it because it has, my, my son likes it because he has a lot of animals. He's really into those right now. But this book's really, really sweet book talking about not, not, not forgetting who God is and what he's done, what we know about who God is. And this author, the author actually is a singer-songwriter who also wrote a kid's album, which I think is really good for adults, too. We need that just as much as kids do. And uh, the, songs are called, the album's called Remembering Songs. But one of the lyrics in one of the songs is, Don't forget to remember God won't forget you. And man, what a truth that is this morning. So as we're approaching the new year, as we're, we're coming and reflecting back on how the year's gone... Let's not forget to remember who God is. Let's not forget to remember all that God has done for us. Let's take his word and have that dialogue with ourselves personally, talking to God and talking God's thoughts back to ourselves so we can really live in the truth of who he is. And we can really just have joy and thankfulness in the fact that we are fully known and fully loved by him if you've put your faith and trust in him. And looking at all this this morning, how could we not... Worship God with joyful thankfulness, remembering all that he has done for us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for all you've done. And God, we we confess that so often we do forget um, who you are and what you've done. Way too often. God, our pride gets in the way. And I pray that you would help us to get our focus off ourself and our focus on you. I pray that we would seek you in your kingdom. Uh, I pray that you would help us to just get these truths rooted down in our hearts 
so that we can be full of joy and love and all that you want us to be, God, for you and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.